Welcome to episode three of Community Connections, a Love Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Nolan Gunn. This podcast is all about connecting local churches and organizations in ministry to the Stanton, Waynesboro, and Augusta County area. Today, I'm here with Bill Roberts, Director of Administration, or as we like to say, DOA. And we're here today to discuss the Clearinghouse. The Clearinghouse. Yes. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. All right. I guess we'll uh, go right in. Um, so, Bill, tell me a little bit about the Clearinghouse. What is it? And we'll just we'll dive in. Absolutely. Well, the, the Clearinghouse, no one is truly the heartbeat of Loving's ministry. Uh, and we say that because uh, when we are contacted by neighbors in our community or anyone who has a need, uh, the Clearinghouse is where they're directed. And yep. so that's the area of the ministry that helps us keep a pulse on uh, sort of what needs uh, are most prevalent in our community. Yeah. And so all neighbors uh, will call us. Uh, they start with a, a phone call and um, and we that initiates our process. Hmm. Uh, the beautiful thing about the, the Clearinghouse is that um, it is truly... A relational experience. What do you mean uh, relational? Well, it, 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 great question because you would think I'm calling someplace to get a need met. How in the world can it be relational? Right. You think about, I mean, not knocking on the DMV or something like that, but you know, you go to the DMV. It's not a relational experience. You're, yeah. you're going, you're getting your paperwork done, and you're leaving. Boom, boom, boom. That's kind of the stereotype of that. I'm sure there are some DMV people who are great. Absolutely. And I've met a few. Right. But. Typically, when you think of a social work office or um, really any sort of office like that, you think very cold and clinical and, yeah, and, tell and, me tell me your situation. Let me see if you qualify. Yeah, institutional. Yep. Um, so what's different? But, well, because we are loving the name of Christ, um, that initial phone call is an opportunity and is a, a means to share the love of Christ. Uh, and yes, through a phone call. It happens daily, uh, and from there, uh, the individual who is calling obviously will share their need. Um, but uh, through the whole thing, you know, it's it's developing that relationship with the individual. Um, we want to know the person. Excuse me, I'll back up. We want to know their need. Yes, we want to meet their need. That's very important. Uh, however, it's most important to us to get to know the person, how they got to their state of need, uh, and what we can do to assist them to moving out of that need, right. um, should they desire yeah. uh, to do so. Uh, and so it is, it's our goal to um, connect them uh, with resources, mm -hmm. whether it be a, a church resource, a family resource, a uh community resource whatever that may be uh hence the name clearinghouse so it's, yeah. it's almost like you know call one place which of course we know this is ideal but you can call one location and share what your need is and our goal is to connect them uh to as many resources sure as possible yeah um i like especially when you we were writing uh, making notes about this it's identifying the resources that they already have available to them correct that's interesting to me so so what, is, what does that mean? Well, I think when you're in uh, a position of need, and sometimes um, the emotions sometimes can get the best of us. Hmm. 
uh, and we look over the items or the things that are right in front of us. Sure. And so lovingly, uh, just guiding and asking, you know, what are the resources that you have available to you already? Sure. Um, friends and family obviously would be first. Yeah. Um, any church connections? Yeah. Um, have you made contact? Hmm. Um, colleagues. Uh, one is many times overlooked. You know, if you have a job, if you're working, even if you, uh, if your spouse or friends have colleagues, um, yeah. there are many times people. <clears throat> you know, the the whole premise is. Um, it goes to redemptive compassion, uh, core value four, the mm -hmm. mutual participation accountability right uh but also you know um your gifts and talents what do you have already at your disposal to help you help yourself yeah absolutely. Uh, and sometimes um, individuals need someone else to point that out sure. or to help not point it out uh but to reveal that yeah to help well, them work through that process it's similar to how churches when they're you know recruiting volunteers or you know, having plugging people into ideally plugging everybody, every member into the body. A lot of times, um, uh, a leader at the church might walk up to somebody and be like, we see this in you. You don't see this in you. Perfect. But we see this in you. you so here's somewhere that, that may be helpful for you to serve and you'd be great at. That's correct. Because uh, like I was saying before, when, when a neighbor is in need, getting that need taken care of is their primary focus. Yes. Um, looking beyond that to, to how they can meet their need or what they have available to them can sometimes be overlooked. Sure. And so just helping them to discover that. Yeah, definitely. Sounds like a pretty simple, you would think, uh, process that people would do normally, but that's... Yeah. They think about your own past experiences. Oh, sure. You sort of get laser focused into meeting the need uh, and it's very difficult to, to branch out beyond that oh absolutely uh, and so ultimately um, you know our goal is to play our part connect individuals to churches to agencies to help them move out of their need sure um, very easy to say something like that but it's a long process yeah that's why we would refer to it as a journey yeah. Because uh, it, it takes some time. Sure. And we do our best to meet our neighbors where they are. Uh, just like any other human institution, people come to you uh, with a varying degree of needs and they're in different places in their life. And so we do our best to meet them where they are. Sure. Um, love them where they are and then help them through the process. And all of this, every bit of it, from the very first phone call to the clarification, to the deliveries, to the loving your neighbor, every bit of it is done with the goal of sharing the love of Jesus Christ with yes. us. On top of that, is, and, and through that, what's most is you have to gain trust. Sure. And it's all about relationships. Yes. Um, so that's the long answer of your question, <laughs> but uh, it, it it's just relational. It's relational. It's building trust. 
uh, and it's just being patient because all that takes time. Sure. So what you're saying is there's no easy short answer for this. It's a, there is okay. no easy short answer. No. Because I feel like that's what uh, typically what our culture tip wants is a give me a one bullet answer and let's go do it and maybe even not even get there. And that's true for the neighbors and it's also true for the churches. Sure. It's, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. And so it's just a matter of uh, recognizing that and then um, being willing to, you know, be flexible, do, be flexible and to do our part. Sure. In it. Yeah. Because every individual different is different, has different needs, has different circumstances. Right. At least that's, I mean, from the neighbors I've interacted with, from my own needs and it's like everything's different and multifaceted and there's no, there's no one answer to no, it. No, there isn't. There isn't. Well, and one of the things that uh, that we've been blessed with in, in the clearinghouse, number one, is an individual who oversees it, who directs it, mm-hmm. who has a, a background in social work. Uh, she's a walking encyclopedia oh of gosh. community resources. Yes. <laughs> uh, and she has a heart to share the love of Jesus with anyone and everyone. And everyone. And that's contagious. Yeah. And so when uh, Sharon is around her volunteers, it's just oh, yeah. in attitude reflects leadership. And her yes. leadership just permeates through the clearinghouse. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, her volunteers are well-trained. Uh, they have just a heart to share Christ. Um, yes, meet the need. Sure. But more importantly, again, to get to know the person and to get to know their story uh, and to prayerfully uh, start them on a journey of transformation. Sure. So kicking off that individual story. So we're going, we're going uh, broad with the clearinghouse. And so when we're talking about those individuals and learning their story, um, maybe we could go down through the process and, and share if you're maybe a volunteer or a donor or even someone who's interested and has a need that they need. Um, the need filled or have questions about how mm-hmm. loving Phil's needs. Good. Like what would, what would that look like for, for me? I have a need. I call in the office. What does that look like? I was going to use you as a guinea pig. It's like, well, well I already volunteered. Pig. There That's we go. Right. See? Uh, well, the first thing I'll, I'll share before getting into all the, the weeds of that process is sure. we're at, we're often asked how in the world do neighbors find you? How do they find yeah. love Inc? Um, number one answer, we refer to it as the neighbor network. Yep. And so once we've helped an individual, that individual shares it with their, um, circle of influence, their, sure. their friends, their family, their neighbors. Yes. That's number one. Uh, we refer, we receive referrals from churches, government agencies, uh, from schools, from landlords. Yeah. Individuals, uh, who just have a heart for, to sort of guide their, uh, individuals that they're working with. Yeah. Yeah. So now the, the process, it, it all starts with a phone call, as I mentioned before. So, uh, an individual will take you, mm-hmm. Nolan Gunn. Um, you've moved into the area. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a single dad, two children. Um, so what do you do? You've learned from your, uh, neighbor at your apartment complex that you can call this ministry called Love Inc. to help you get a sofa, dining room table, chairs, 
mm-hmm. maybe some bed frames sure. for your children. Yeah. And so you call. Well, you're going to speak to one of our wonderful receptionists. Yes. They will take your information and they will schedule an intake uh, for you to conduct sure. in the next couple of days. So then yeah. you, those couple of days you'll call and you'll talk to one of our wonderful clearinghouse volunteers that yep. Sharon has trained. Yep. And you'll go through an intake application process, takes 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Yep. Be prepared and the receptionist will prepare you what information you, you need to have right. available. Because it, it will get fairly personal. It, it won't, well, it does. It does get very <laughs> personal, yes. Well, it, it's, again, we want to get to know the person. Right, and that information is in-house only. That's very confidential. Not, yes, so. Very confidential. Only loving clearinghouse we, and office staff have access to those files under very. Under, under lock the, and key. Lock and key, and literally and. Figuratively. Figuratively. Sharon yes. is incredibly good about keeping the confidentiality of it. That's part of gaining trust. Yes. Is being able to say it, but then also to do that. Yeah. It's, it's important. Um, the, uh, so after this intake process, um, the, you will yep. be introduced and invited to consider participating in the Loving Your Neighbor program. Sure. And what that is. Yeah. Uh, you'll also have a part of the intake is you're going to have to provide two references. This is okay. our verification to make sure it's a legitimate need. So almost like a, just like a job application or a rental application, you put on a couple, couple of references. Absolutely. One of those can be a family member. Others can be any one of your choice. Okay. Uh, and so it just helps the ministry to confirm, validate that it's a legitimate need. Sure. Before we then reach out to our volunteers and our local churches and asking them to meet that need. Right. Uh, so it's, it's important uh, to fulfill that step as best as we can. Sure. The intake workers um, will then send an encouragement card just to say, hey, we're thinking about you. Yeah. Enjoy. We, we refer to these as touches. Yes. Each time we reach out and touch an, uh, a neighbor um, just to say, we're thinking about you. Yeah. We're praying for you. Uh, you are important yeah. to I'll us. I'll say that uh, ever since working here, I was... I think I say this to a lot of people, but I'm like the amount of cards that go through every staff member's hands and every like it's hundreds and hundreds of cards that get sent out. And yes. it's just I mean, this isn't just a, you know, like a type typed up thing sent in the mail, though there's nothing wrong with that. Like this is like a we're signing our name, writing a little note on it. It's it's very, very personal, very personal. And yes. It's very intentional. Yes. Um, and and I I'm guilty because I'm I'm like, really, mm-hmm. I have to sign all these cards. Makes you and feel it's not pretty that I important. I have though. to. I I truly want to. Yes. But it's making my me think. All right, this is important. Yes. Because someone who is in need in our community will be encouraged and be inspired and will be touched when they receive a card. Yes. From a ministry that they reached out to. Yes with handwritten notes yeah the feedback we get is just incredible oh yeah it's those personal touches that are the the difference that is the difference mm-hmm. and so you were asking in the very very beginning <laughs> what's different what makes the clearinghouse different yeah that's another indication yes 
It's, it's just those intentional touches of being relational with people in our community. Absolutely. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, next step. Uh, so encouragement card is sent. Sharon uh, and her staff of volunteers, uh, she will set up a clarification. And uh, what the clarification does goes that people, our volunteers will go out in twos uh, to, it's the first face-to-face -face interaction uh, with a loving volunteer, a neighbor in need. Uh, number one, again, it, it's an opportunity to continue developing the relationship. Um, it's an opportunity to sh just answer questions, mm -hmm. uh, to share the loving and neighbor program opportunity to pray for the individual yes. once again um practically it's an opportunity to survey the property sure how wide's the door will a refrigerator fit in the spot that the individual needs a refrigerator <laughs> i know this well uh how many stairs are we going to ask our volunteers sure. to carry yeah items it's like what which volunteer should we send out there it's like should we send make sure that ethan or myself or do we need to borrow somebody who's able to, you know, go up a few more flights of stairs? That's correct. So because we want to be able to put our volunteers in a situation where they're going to be successful. Correct. And feel that it's meaningful. Yes. And not put them in a potentially dangerous situation. Yes. Um, and so that that's important for us, uh, just a, that clarification process. Yes. Most importantly, it's a touch. Yes. To that individual Goodness, the stories that we hear come back after a clarification will just warm your heart. Yeah. Um, and make you cry. Oh, yeah. Uh, when you when you truly see um, how some of our neighbors are living in our community. Mm. Um, that just opened my eyes. Why, like, just... Even if you don't necessarily volunteer long-term for loving, doing even a clarification or a delivery is enlightening Very. in a lot of ways. Exactly and right. Uh, it can be disheartening because you realize that there's so much need and there's so much, I don't know what the word would be, but there's just so much need. And right. It's, and it's, it's difficult to walk away from that and be okay with doing nothing <laughs> <laughs> yep well and and again people in the community in our churches you know they they ask us you know who are these individuals in need yeah uh, and so often uh, one thing that we've learned is that when that people are good at at disguising sure for multiple reasons yeah uh multiple reasons we can, that's another that's another story in itself yes um Many times we, the easy answer is that it's the individuals that we see on the corners uh, soliciting donations. Sure. That's what we typically think of. That's the first thing we go to. Mm -hmm. And that's not right. No. It's the wrong answer. No. Because they're hidden. They don't want to be seen, um, again, for multiple reasons that we have to respect. Yes. And we want to protect their dignity. Yes. Um, what we've learned is that they are there yes and they desire to be loved mm -hmm. and the church is so perfectly designed and suited to do just what we're asking the church 
and giving the opportunity to do. And yes. that is just to touch people with the love of Christ through your gifts and talents. Yeah. Just be there. Yes. So, you know, back to the processes. I, I, I went down a little squirrel trail. Sorry. It's all good. <laughs> so applications done, verifications done, clarifications done. Now what? Sharon will go through the, the list of the needs. She uh, works very closely with uh, Ethan Colvin in our donation center. Form of needs goes out there. Uh, and then that process begins where we uh, select and pick the items. Again, the best of what we have in our inventory identified. Ethan then takes it from there, scheduling a delivery, working with his volunteers, getting everything selected, contacting the individual. Um, and then once it's all done, there's a follow-up phone call to the individual, the neighbor that's received the items, uh, again, to pray with them but also just uh, answer any questions just to follow up yeah, and how they're doing. Yeah. And we uh, talked a little bit about this in the previous episode as yes, well. Yes, we did. Where we just kind of went through that. Um, and I wanted to take a, a couple seconds, if you're watching this on Facebook or listening to this uh, via audio, if you wouldn't mind on Facebook, uh, right below this video, there's a little share button. And if you'd like to, uh, if you feel like what we're doing here is meaningful to you and you think that it would help one or two people, um, consider sharing it. Just click that share button, share it to your wallet. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. And that would mean a lot to us if you would do that. Um, Absolutely. But anyways, we'll get right back to it. Let's All right. keep on trucking. Very good. Thank you. But again, it, it, it just to sort of wrap up, um, there's that whole, the whole clearinghouse experience. Um, and it all, it all stems from your very first question. And that is someone's calling for need. Isn't that easy? You just boom, boom, boom. What's the need? Meet the need. Yeah. Uh, it's very transactional. Got a leaf on your shoulder. Got a leaf on your shoulder. I said, you Other know, one. yes, it can be transactional uh, if you choose for it to be. We choose for it not to be. Yes. We choose for it to be transactional and relational. And that's ultimately uh, the clearinghouse. And right. to do that relationship is built on uh, the love of Christ. Yes. It's not one size fits all. It is not. Very so that cool. in a nutshell yeah. is the clearinghouse. That's very cool. So Nolan, sure. last week we talked about the uh, reopening of the donation center. Yeah. Can you give us a little more information on what transpired and what is coming? Yeah, so essentially what was happening was on the 13th, this past Wednesday, uh, the donation center was open for a limited period of time, filling up some trailers, filling up some carts, um, getting them into, into the donation center so we can uh, properly awesome. process them, sanitize them, that kind of thing. And just to begin the ball rolling for transitioning into completely reopening. Great so, way to put it. Let's start that ball rolling. Yes, start the ball rolling. So we're going to continue this uh, on Wednesdays for probably, what would that be? Uh, just the foreseen future. Foreseeable future. Yep. And then... Uh, We'll uh, keep updating folks on there. So if you if you want to come come by Wednesday, we'll be uh, we'll be open and ready to take your donation. And then we also talked about uh, the reopening of our thrift stores. Yes. And so we are so happy to announce um, that on Monday, May 18th, a gathering place in Stewart's Draft will be opening. Hmm. Uh, there will be restrictions, of course. Sure. Um, and but our staff. Um, 
there are diligently at work getting ready for Monday the 18th. So we look forward to seeing the community back. Yes. And uh, we're just excited. Yes. Very excited. Yeah. Just think about if you're a thrift shopper, think about all the, uh, we've had time to bring items over there and obviously none of it's been selling because of everything. So you'll be seeing new inventory left and right. So if you're a regular shopper there, if you're a new shopper, it's all going to be fresh the clothes have been transitioned over yes staff is working on that exciting yep so come on out i can tell you they're excited oh yeah they've mentioned (laughs) (laughs) one of our staff members mentioned that the community uh some individuals have been sliding notes under the door it's like when are y'all reopening (laughs) can i reserve that chair over there that i see in the back corner so that that's very encouraging for them yes uh, to know that uh that they're an integral part of the Stewart Staff community. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So as you may have heard last week, uh, we actually, or I spoke with Tiana about just uh, her transition from her apartment into her new house that was provided by Christian Housing and her journey through Love Inc., uh, the Loving Your Neighbor program uh, and Christian Housing and everything like that. So we actually uh, learned that she uh, is currently attending the church that we had the privilege of interviewing today. Um, Pastor Otis Spellman is the pastor at Union Baptist Church, and we talked to him a little bit, or I talked to him a little bit about what Union Baptist uh, offers to the community, to their parishioners, and uh, just a little bit about Union Baptist. So I thought that was just a really cool thing to uh, connect uh, this neighbor that we've been serving to a church that we're interviewing as well. So. Uh, as you're listening to this, just be thinking about, you know, while we may we didn't mention Tiana in this, but she is someone who is directly affected by this church in our community. Absolutely. So um, we hope that this uh, interview encourages you as always. Hello, Pastor Spellman. How are you? Hey, I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Very well. Thanks for uh, thanks for talking to me to the public. Um, just introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, what you're about, that kind of thing. Well, I am uh, retired from uh, medical work at the hospital, at the Martha Jefferson Hospital. Mm-hmm. This is my third pastorate at Union Baptist Church. I have been pastoring for about 40 years. I am a native of Norfolk, Virginia. I schooled at Washington Bible College in Atlanta, Maryland, and I'm a former chaplain at Advanced Native Admissions, which is a mission organization, and at the University of Virginia Hospital. And I've been at Union for about two years, one year as an interim pastor and another year as the senior pastor. So tell me a little bit about Union Baptist Church. Well, it's a small historic congregation in Waynesboro. We're approximately 80 members or so. We were established 128 years ago, and uh, it has been a staple in the community for church services and all, and had a rich history of pastors, and I'm just one, one more in the line. What sort of resources um, does Union Baptist Church provide to your parishioners? Well, during this time, we, we have services preaching on YouTube each week for them. We have reached out with prayer and home assistance and counseling while we're in this lockdown period. We have our uh, deacons do wellness checks on the congregation regularly. They all have a portion of the congregation to check on, so they do that at least every other week. Uh, we have at the church, a children's church, twice a month. That's for all of our youth from 
about six years old up to about 17. We have, we do financial support for our members when it's necessary under church guidelines. We're part of the Ministers, Deacons, and Layman's Union of Virginia for our people to for teaching. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have Sunday school every Sunday. We also, for our church, have scholarships for our young people as they transition from high school to college. We do that each year, and we have an amount for no matter how many we have, we always try to accommodate each one of those. Those are other things that, those are some of the things we do. Other things in terms of that, we of course recognize our congregation for birthdays and anniversaries and things like that. What sort of uh, resources, um, services, I mean, it could be really anything. What kind of things do uh, does Union Baptist provide for the community around it? I know you said it's been a long, long established church here in Waynesboro, but um, what over the years has Union Baptist uh, provided to the community? Well, we have, uh, I've been there a couple of years, and of course, some things rise and fall. So. Sure. Uh, but right now, as far as I know, the thing that we're doing we are providing aid to the disciples' kitchen, financial aid for us in their food uh, program. We also provide aid to the YMCA for the things that they're doing. We do what we call a box of blessings for people in the community who need food. Uh, they're recommended by others, and we help them out and provide for them. We Each year, we uh, contribute quite a sum to uh, Salvation Army from our uh, congregation, and that's been going on for years, do financial report, support rather, for certain recommended people of the community. You know, if they have tragic things happen, like a fire or some personal tragedies, our church will come together and help them based on recommendations from our people. What sort of stories have you seen or heard coming out of Union Baptist Church that were just, uh, it could be inspirational, it could be um, interesting um, what sort of stories have you seen uh, come out of Union? Well, during the last couple of years, for some reason or other, we've had a, an ordinate amount of sickness. Our members, quite a bit of it has been extremely serious, but we have praise reported that each one, God has brought them out, everything from cancer to all kinds of uh, surgeries, and we have not lost a one. Uh, we have gone in prayer and fasting for our people, and each one of them have come out victorious. Uh, I must also report that we thank God for the fact that we've not had any cases of COVID-19 in our church that I know of, and we are monitoring that pretty closely. Sure. And again, we want to thank the Lord for that. And getting housing, in substandard housing, and they've been able to get new housing. We're grateful. We have been doing on missionary work. Uh, we've had foreign missionaries come to our church to speak and to inspire us with the stories of where they come from. And we have been able to give to our missionaries quite a large sum of money and to provide motorcycles and bicycles and help with wells and churches in foreign countries, particularly Kenya. We've been doing things and we've been thanking God for the reports. For someone who's listening, who may be looking for a church, how can they learn more about uh, Union Baptist? Well, we're on the uptick. Uh, our, our website is now being upgraded to be on point with where we are. We're in a news, newspaper directory, of course, it comes out weekly. We also put in the paper any services we're going to have 
uh, at our church. Not only that, but they can also call the pastor or any of our members. And we are just working hard now to be available to the community in a better way than we have been before. To me, what I pulled out of uh, Pastor Spellman's interview, which I loved to hear, was uh, how union values people. Yes. And how they invest relationally in the membership, um, not just in their church, but also in their immediate uh, community. Yes. Yeah. And that, that just speaks volumes of um, the culture that is um, within the church. I mean, Pastor Spellman said that he's he's been there for two years. Right. Once as interim and one year as senior pastor. And so in his position of leadership, he has to lean tremendously on those who, on the congregation. Sure. And so what he is, what he sees and what he's learning is uh, truly a byproduct of just the culture that is inside that church community. Yes. yes. Uh, he's just now getting to the point where, you know, he's putting his imprint. Yes. And so... This can't, it can't be easy just walking into a congregation. It's challenging. But when you walk into a church that is as um, grounded as Union is. I mean, they've right. been here for 150 years, something like that. A long time. Incredible. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it. I don't know the, the full history of Union. I do know it's a... Gosh, just where it sits alone is just a place of uh, prominence in our community. When you mention, you know, Union Baptist, oh, that's the church that's on the corner. Da, da, da. It's like yep. everybody knows where it is. Right. Uh, and so it's you know, that, that just tells you that it's an important place in the community of Waynesboro. Yes, it's st- it stood the test of time. That and it and because it, it's the people, it's the people who are affiliated with that right that congregation. Yeah, and we have a, a volunteer. We do, we uh, Veronica. Veronica, um, and it just again how God just sort of weaves people together, stories together, yes, and connects, which is we really. I mean, that's what this is all about: that's connecting right. people together, connecting community churches. connections. That's exactly that's right. Right. And you mentioned earlier um, the connection with Tiana. Yeah. And. And just how that has just it just it just encourages me to no end. Yes. To see how God just puts it all together. Wouldn't it be cool if somebody who is like a super nerd made a little map of Augusta County and connected stories of people? So like let's say you have someone like Tiana and Union, Veronica, Love Inc., Christian Housing, and you just did a little point, 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 point and just just to see all the connections in the entire area. That'd be awesome. That'd be cool. Yeah, it would. that would make my <laughs> my heart pretty happy to it, see something it like truly that. Truly would. I mean, just that, that that gives me the image of um of a spider web. Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah, and see how yeah it's not just one one fit one size fits all. It's yeah. multiple different ministries, churches, all working together to impact and transform people's lives. Yeah. And I had uh, an experience. This is a, a rabbit trail, so sure. I apologize. Apologize, community. Yep. Uh, where, uh, 
an alum, uh, an LYN, we'll say a Love Inc. alumni, was able to connect and meet uh, a current student um, and to share, pass along items of need, uh, a personal connection. So that was really cool too. That's awesome. A little side note. Yeah, very cool. And with that, just wanted to uh, thank you all for listening and or watching to another edition of Community Connections. Um, if you'd like to have us answer a question here on the podcast, please, if you're watching on Facebook, leave a comment uh, asking your question. We'd love to both answer it on Facebook and also answer it in our next um, episode. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more about Love, Inc. than you already learned about today, go ahead and visit our website at www.loveincswa.org. But anyways, thank you so much for listening. And uh, don't forget that mobilized churches transform lives.